Hello, and welcome to Scary to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I am currently driving through Northern California, hoping to gather up some ideas for more stories. I know it's been a while since I've had an original story written by me on the show, and I've been asked about it several times. I have a few that I've been working on, but I keep getting stuck or hating everything I've written. You know how that goes. It's a million and a half degrees in my apartment at the moment, so I hope future me is enjoying the cooler breezes of the north right now. Anyway, let's get on to this week's story. I know quite a few of you loved The Mauve Room by Vid Butcher. Well, Vid is back with another one. Have you guys ever heard those stories of families discovering that someone has been living in their attic or crawl space without them having any idea? If those stories have interested you, then you're in for a treat. This story is a little different than my normal fare. It's told through the diary entries of two women, one who belongs in the house and one who doesn't, which is which isn't so apparent at times. I hope you enjoy the butler and the missus. The butler is 32-year-old Elena Wright, a meth addict with mental illness and the granddaughter of the owner of a quaint estate. The missus is 31-year-old Candace Rossi, married to Jason Rossi, and with their four-year-old daughter, Gina. The following is the journal of Elena Wright, beginning with her entry regarding the death of her grandmother. At the time, she had been clean for 72 days. Elena January 18th My grandmother was my best friend. I realize that now. She was the sole purpose our family would get together for holidays. She was the one person in our strained, sometimes caustic relations that we all agreed was the best of the family. She deserved everyone's love, and she got it. I should have given her more. Grandma was the only one who didn't judge me when I got arrested back in 08. I don't even think she knew what I'd had on me. I don't know if she ever really knew what methamphetamine was. And if she did really know about the monster I invited into my life, she never judged me for it. She only offered her devotion to me. I was the youngest of all of her grandchildren. I was the only grandchild to stay in Idaho. Even though I started getting into trouble, I stayed. And so I saw her the most in her last days. I, sh I should have spent more time with her, but I still spent more time with her than anyone else. It was 74 days ago. I remember it so well. My sister Katrina tried to exploit my love for Grandma in that botched intervention. Thank God Grandma wasn't privy to that disaster. But I went. I got clean, and I did it because I told Grandma I would do it. She was so happy for me. And that counts for something. 
I don't know how I'm going to be tomorrow seeing her again. In a coffin, all made up and staged, she'll look like she's taking a nap. I'll see Katrina. And I think in my heart of hearts, I know I can forgive her. She's my sister. Aren't sisters supposed to be friends for life? January 19th. It was harder than I thought it'd be, seeing her. Funerals are always like that, I guess. Open casket viewings are, at least. All of my cousins were brave, though. And I wasn't the only one barely able to keep it together. Jake, the second oldest of all of us, was probably the weepiest of us all. I gave him a big, long bear hug, along with his wife Celia, and I hugged Katrina and we cried on each other a lot. And we told each other that we loved each other. We do. We always will. After last night, I'm... I'm ready to get a matching face tattoo with her. I brought Blaine with me. I was really glad to see the family show support. Grandma had gotten to meet Blaine my second week in rehab. She really liked him. He's a gentleman, so there's no reason she wouldn't. He was so supportive at the funeral last night. I really lucked out on finding a guy like him. I've only brought him around mom and dad a handful of times, and Katrina's only met him once, but last night he was family. I'm definitely going to be keeping him around. We connected in rehab, but every day I see his face, we discover the bonds that we have in common. We're both struggling spirits, crookedly trying to survive. After the service, we all went over to Grandma's house. There's still quite a bit of things not claimed, and Uncle Hugh and Dad are going to take the bulk of the old furniture and other odds and ends to the thrift store next weekend. With everyone in town, it was the best time to say our farewells to the old home, grab anything we saw that we'd like or need. I took an old pocket knife Grandma had occasionally used to peel potatoes with. Its handle has a pewter rooster design on the side of it. I also took an ice pick. It was in the back of a drawer near the stovetop, in a cigar box. It probably hadn't been used in 50 years. Certainly not since Grandpa had been alive. Katrina and I split a vanity set just because we knew we weren't going to use it, but we remembered Grandma using it, on us, when we were little. I took the comb, and Katrina took the hand mirror. January 21st. Everyone has gone back to their respective homes, and I guess I'm the sole cousin. The only grandchild left to try to move on in this hometown without a spouse or a college or a promising career to get back to. Mom and Dad have been helpful, but they already seem to want to move on past Grandma. My mom even told me I need to remember to keep focused on rehabilitation. So yeah, it's been a sucky readjustment period if readjustment is even what you call moving on past the death of a loved one. I miss you, Grandma. January 22nd. I made it clearly known today that I really, really want to move in to Grandma and Grandpa's house. No one else wants it, and I think Uncle Hugh can get me a killer steal. He used to work in real estate and still has his connections. 
I found out today that Dad and Hugh had already purchased some upgrades for the house for when they put it on the market. Later this week, they're having all the carpet ripped up and the hardwood underneath polished. They also have somebody coming in to take down some of the dated wallpaper and repaint some of the walls. I wouldn't have minded everything being left the way it was, but I won't complain either. I was born to stay in Grandma and Grandpa's old house. I mentioned it to Blaine and he thought it sounded pretty swell, although he did have some questions about where I'd get the money, and I told him if we moved in together we could definitely afford it. The neighborhood is mostly elderly homeowners and the rates are super low. Mom and Dad could spot us a down payment if it came to that. I told Blaine as much, but he didn't seem too assured or excited. That brought me down a little. This is from the Collected Journal Entries of Candace Rossi. January 25th. It's six o'clock sharp on this gorgeous San Bernardino morning. Gina's still asleep, at least for another 30 minutes. Jason is snoring away. I slid out from underneath his arm and placed my pillow beneath it for him. He didn't even budge. He'd sleep through a nuclear apocalypse. That's my husband. Yes, the love of my life. So much the love of my life that I'm actually going to be leaving all of this amazing goodness for Twin Falls, Idaho. I'm holding in tears as I write this. Damn it, Jason. Why wouldn't that swanky bastard in Chino Hills offer you a job? I know this is such a first world problem at the end of the day, but... Damn, if I don't absolutely abhor leaving everything great about my life behind... My family, our family, Gina's five-star daycare at the First Methodist, my awesome graphic design gig. Love conquers all, though. It has to. Elena. January 29th. Mom and Dad don't think I am able to support myself. Blaine doesn't either. That's okay, really, that nobody believes me. Not even my Hope House counselor Hannah thought that Grandma's house was realistic for me. I could see it in her creased lips and patronizing stares. I haven't smoked meth in 70 days, and everyone here still treats every word I say like it's from the rotten tooth mouth of a meth head. I'm done. I'm finished with Hope House. And Blaine is too. I told him we're leaving. He wants me, and I need him. We love each other. These stuck-up, condescending asshat know-it-alls don't care about us. Or anyone but themselves. Blaine needed some convincing, but he saw why we had to leave. I have $6,800 in my savings account. That's my money. Grandma's house is on the market, and it's mine. I didn't think Mom and Dad would do that right underneath me. I never thought. They'd so callously pull the rug from under my feet like that. That really hurt. They'll see how bad it hurt when they realize I left their little golden standard for societal approval. I wonder if Miss Clemens will call Mom or Dad, come to think of it. I'm sure she will. The always positive, smarmy director of Hope House, Miss Danielle Clemens, will say something so 
thickly patronizing to mom and dad, and mom and dad, in return, will click their tongues and shake their heads and give each other glances. No bother. Drake is letting me and Blaine crash on his couch for the next few days. And yes, Drake was my dealer, but I'm past that now. This is about family. My family will come to honor what sacrifices I'm making right now when they get to have Christmas dinner at Grandma and Grandpa's old house. Candace, January 30th. Okay, multiverse, I give up. Idaho is rushing to meet us, apparently. We put our bid in on a quaint little house, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, 1,900-square-foot slice of paradise. It has a full A-frame attic and a finished basement. And I can ride my bike to the library. In fact, Jason can ride his bike to his new job in the cute little office buildings on Main Street if he wants to. I haven't had the chance to look in daycare just yet. I guess I'll finally succumb to doing the stay-at-home mom thing for now. But the schools in Twin Falls are looking a lot more promising than I first thought. So, okay then, life. Throw it at me. We officially close on the 12th of February. We might even be able to have a wine and dine-in to our brand new house by Valentine's. Elena, January 30th. Blaine and I will go back when we're ready. If we're ready. I was walking down to the fast mart to get cigarettes and Blaine was passed out on the couch. Drake's place was robbed. They put a gun to Blaine's head. Even after he lay down with his hands over his eyes and kept telling them he didn't see them. Those assheads pistol whipped him anyways. And they took the cash we had compiled together in his wallet. A little over thirty bucks. And they took the Vicodin bars he had in his pocket. Drake wasn't there, and that's damn suspicious, I think. Thank God I wasn't there. Blaine is sure I would have been raped. Why are such base, horrible bottom feeders of the human race always involved in the arena of just getting high? It doesn't really matter. We're all in. So we used what money we had left between us to take a bus further out into the county, closer to Grandma and Grandpa's. The bridges of I-184 are not usually populated. We're going to camp there for tonight, and I can't lie. It feels good to be back out under the stars. Outside of the societal expectations and all that crap. We just need to smoke up some with what we have left and figure out how we're going to get into Grandma's. I've got that money in the bank. So first thing tomorrow, we're going to have to call the seller for Grandma's house. I've still got the number written down somewhere in my backpack. I'm excited and stressed and anxious all at once. Blaine has been quiet. He was never as used to sleeping outside as I was. And as I sit here on the bus, his hand on my leg, I check through the contents of my backpack. Sleeping bag. Bottle of water, bag of tortilla chips, socks, phone, dead though. I'm going to need to find a charger. Billfold, toothpaste, ice pick, pocket knife, comb, and sunglasses. Everything a girl needs to sleep under the bridge with her man. January 31st. The bridge we'd spotted was already claimed. We found somebody's belongings, an unopened can of baked beans and a sleeping bag. 
The grass was matted down around it, so we know someone is close by, but we didn't see anyone last night. Still, I slept with the ice pick in my pocket. We slept peacefully, though, with the passing cars in the night being like fireflies. That's one thing I missed about being on the streets. People like Katrina or anybody doing well for themselves, they avoid you at all costs. You can see it in their shifting eyes when approaching them on the streets. Sometimes guys will stare because I'm a woman, a pretty damn attractive one too. Mostly they're married men and the type of guy society tells are supposed to be gentlemanly or whatever that crap means. In that way, it can be harder being on the street for Blaine, as with any guy. Panhandling young guys when you're a somewhat hot and destitute looking woman is pretty easy. Well, it's after 12 o'clock noon and we're making our way to the bank and to score some stuff and not necessarily in that order. Candace, February 2nd. This house is every bit as cute as it was online. The neighborhood definitely has a bit of dodgy spots and there's a ghetto feel to just about every gas station we passed. Jason drove us by the tallest building in downtown and pointed to the floor he'll be working on. It was cute, if not a tad bit dated and tired looking, but the house will be fun. I'm ready for this life. Elena, February 1st. We realize we need jobs. I need a job. This sucks. We haven't made it to the bank. Earlier today, we walked down Grandma's old neighborhood. The house is under contract. I can't believe my family, my own parents, just let it get sold right from underneath me. And the icing on the cake. They told me they were cutting me off from their life until I agreed to go back to rehab. Back to Hope House. And then Katrina called me, patronizing me to stay the course. So disgusting. That's my house. I don't give a damn who bought it. Blaine is much quieter than normal. But he is with me, and it means so much. He's stuck with me when my own family hasn't. Candace, February 4th. So, we already found some amazing people here. Anna Mott and her son, Finn, is just four months older than Gina. With a single mom I found on a local mom's Facebook group whose name is Felix and her five-month-old baby, Riley. <laughs> We're doing a nanny swap Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We went out to a cute little restaurant for beers with Jason's new co-workers, and life is going to be okay. I am still missing San Burn, and I know any true homesickness hasn't had time to set in yet, but really, Twin Falls is pretty decent. Elena, February 5th. We saw the bitch walk out of Grandma and Grandpa's house. She looks like a stuck-up, pretentious, suburbanite slut. She's wearing those stupid-ass riding boots and a Patagonia jacket that matched a scarf she wore over her head. She had sunglasses on, but I know she'd pretend I didn't even exist if she had to walk past me. I'm sure she's married. There was a guy waiting in their Mercedes in the driveway as she locked my front door 
and daintily made her way inside the car. So, what do you guys think of Candace and Elena so far? Let me just interrupt you real quick. I have something very important to tell you. I have a website, and it's beautiful. Have you been there? A lot of you have, because a lot of you have been contacting me through that little contact tab, and I love it. Come drop me a line anytime you want. Let me know what sound effects you want played at the end of the show. All kinds of stuff. Do you know how I got such a beautiful and easy-to-use website? It was through Wix. Wix Wix.com is the easiest, most beautiful platform I've ever used to make my website. And when I first started, a lot of you may know that have been with me for a while that I used to use a different website to build my website, and it was not cute. Wix is beautiful with over 140 million people using it for their website, and I'm one of them now. You can start and publish for free, and this is what I was really attracted to. They have over 500 stunning templates or start from scratch. I'm not very techy, so I used a template, but they have a hundreds they have hundreds of design features and apps to grow your brand online. They have video backgrounds, galleries, menus, forms, lists, buttons, social bars, clip art, strips. All the sites have built-in SEO tools. You can use Wix's SEO Wiz for a personalized plan. You have they have Wix editor with an easy to use website builder with a drag and drop builder. If you're a little bit more advanced, then they have Wix code, which is creation without limits. Build a professional website any way you want. Use sophisticated technology, sophisticated technology to build advanced web application, build robust websites and web apps. You guys, they even have like voice commands and artificial design intelligence stuff that goes way over my head. For Wix code, you can enjoy serverless, hassle-free coding. For your business, you can use Wix bookings for an easy-to-use scheduling system. You can even let your customers book and schedule their own appointments on your website. Basically, what I'm saying is Wix is the best in the business. And get started now by going to Wix.com. That's wix.com slash podcast to get 10% off. That's wix.com slash podcast for 10% off today. Now back to the show. Candace, February 5th. It's been awesome meeting with Anna and Finn. We had a play date on what's apparently the best playground in all of Twin Falls at the Lutheran Park playground. Gina and Finn are already hitting it off. They even held hands while going down the slide together. (gasps) Too much cuteness. (laughs) We also picked out granite countertops at Lowe's, which should hopefully be installed by no later than the next week. The linoleum pattern was one of the last vestiges screaming, old people. (laughs) Things are moving along nicely. The neighborhood is definitely showing signs of gentrification, and there are a few more people who aren't elderly and shut in than I'd have first thought. Elena. February 6th. The only person I can gloat to is you, Journal. Blaine and I just went in and did it. (laughs) We're in. So these thieves are a family. The Rossies. Candace, the bitch. Her nose-picking, snot-eating husband, Jason. And a four- or five-year-old girl. I didn't get her name. Poor girl. Being a daughter to these thieving, yuppie, ass-eating bastards. 
The side door might have a new lock on it, but that door frame is the same as it always was. Slightly off-center and crooked. The deadbolt was never used by Grandma and Grandpa, and like them, the Rossies apparently just used the handle lock. So Blaine and I used the credit card trick. I had done it once with my driver's permit when I was 16 or so. I remember it bent my card pretty badly, and Mom was pissed. What they've done to my house... To all my memories here, it's nothing short of criminal. The nesting instincts of slutty Candace are showing through. She looks like a bird, like an awkward, flightless dodo bird. She hung a 4 by 5 canvas wall piece in the kitchen with the words, Inhale, love is all we need. Exhale, overcome, love is all we have. Scribbled on it. Otherwise, it's... So great to be back home with Blaine. After helping ourselves to some snacks, using the bathroom and freshening up, we made our way up to the attic, just to be able to chill for a bit and have some downtime. I still don't know their schedule, but I suspect over the next week I'll have it down pat. And even now, I hear the front door unlocking. <laughs> this is so crazy. Candace, February 7th. I don't know why, but the house has taken on sort of a weird sort of feeling. Even Jason feels it. It's nothing I can put my finger on exactly, but something in the house just feels off. I know Jason's gear is returning because he went to grab a string cheese stick in the fridge and we were out. Normally, Gina eats those, but we both are guilty of reading through the deli drawer, especially after Gina's sound asleep and we've had a few binging Netflix. <laughs> he thought it was really odd that we were out, and I guess it is. But in other news, I have an interview for a media designer position at basically the biggest independently owned brewery in Idaho. Tomorrow at 10 a.m., I'm going to shine. This is my job. I have already claimed it. Elena, February 7th. The attic has been cleaned out, which was expected, with some of these snobs crap piled up in one corner, but I made the best rediscovery of all time. First, the darts for the dartboard are still in between the slats that we put them in. My sister and some of our cousins, like, 15 years ago, and then I found an old file in the far corner, on the floor. If these gluttons happen to make their way up here, there is the one hiding place that I know they'll never find me in. What's so great is that Blaine can hide in it with me. He's so scrawny. Grandma and Grandpa laid sheets of plywood diagonally across the floor, and we can both fit in between the slats. We practiced earlier today. I like laying in pink cotton candy. Wink, wink. Candace, February 8th. In an unexpected and unprecedented unfolding of events, I was offered the job. First job applied for, first interviewed for, nailed it. The only deviation from utter happiness is the catch. It's only going to be part-time, for now. The CEO and the head of their cute little marketing division were both sweethearts, both about mom and dad's age, and I could tell with their enthusiastic little grins and antsy seat-shifting that they were ready for someone younger, qualified, and 
not from Twin Falls. However, they're going to be rebudgeting for the marketing department over the next quarter right now. Sally, my boss, the department head, myself, and another guy named James that I haven't met yet are the marketing team. So I'll be able to do a lot of work from right here on the laptop. I'll go in for one-hour meetings Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Hopefully, by the beginning of the fourth quarter, this will be full-time. Elena, February 8th. What's clear is this. The husband, Jason, works his ass off, and Candace screws around online all day. Her face in her laptop. While Gina watches PJ masks and plays with Legos in the kitchen. I didn't think kids that young were supposed to play with Legos, so Blaine and I are trying to figure out Candace's lazy-ass schedule so we know when to hop in and out. This morning, Blaine was spotted in the guest bathroom. Candace was being all classy on our front porch, drinking kombucha and gossiping or bitching on the phone, and Gina was out on the porch with her. Poor kid. Anyhow, we seized our chance, and Blaine jumped down, ran through the master bedroom, and slid down the laundry chute into the guest bathroom, just on top of the washing machine. Grandma used to use the shelves in the laundry closet for logical things, like toilet paper. This vain slut has it packed to the gills with enough color-coordinated blankets for an army. Like the entire U.S. Army. So Blaine had to run to the toilet where all the family's toilet paper is kept on a corner shelf. He pissed and grabbed a roll and made his way back upstairs to the master bedroom by the staircase. Just in time, too, because Mrs. Whore decided to come inside at that instant. She was getting something out of the fridge, probably a yogurt parfait or goose liver or some sick pastime snack that only rich snobs can stomach. She wasn't inside for long. But soon after, the kid, Gina, came inside. I got no beef with the kid. It's not her fault. Her mom's a slutty suburbanite shrew. She ran into the bathroom, and apparently the kid's stickler for flushing the toilet. Blaine should have thought of that, seeing as how she probably just got fully potty trained, and every aspect of using the bathroom like a grown-up is still exciting or whatever. So she was disturbed that there was someone's unflushed urine in the toilet bowl. Then Blaine, who was in the middle of a second supply run, saw her. She screamed. All she saw was Blaine's head peeking out from the laundry chute. I guess it would be freaky to see some random dude upside down looking at you from a laundry chute. He made shushing sounds and tried everything possible to convey that he's not a mean or bad guy, but she screamed and screamed. We tried out our hiding places and must have stayed under our plywood boards for two hours. We hadn't been back out of hiding for long when we heard Jason coming in through the front door. We both jumped back into our hiding places then. I was sure he checked the attic, but no. It seemed to be quiet for the rest of the night. Candace. February 8th. So, I have to be terribly honest. The thrill of getting the media design job, part-time though it may be, hasn't shaken the weirdness I felt. It certainly was eclipsed by hearing my daughter scream at the top of her lungs this afternoon. Gina's never sounded like that. She was terrified. Still is, even though Jason finally got her to go to sleep. 
I'm so grateful to have made a friend already in Anna. She and Finn will be coming over tomorrow for a play date. I can't help but think about what Gina kept saying, that a fish-eyes man was looking at her. I don't remember what I used to melt down over as a four-year-old, but I just got off the phone with my mom, and she said I was scared of tornadoes after watching The Wizard of Oz. She said I'd take off running to get inside at the slightest breeze. She reminded me that at Gina's age, their imaginations are growing and expanding and their little minds are sponges, taking in everything they see. Then she started inquiring on all the mom questions like would I allow Gina to watch, how much screen time she gets, and so on and so forth. I want to believe my daughter. I guess that's what's so discomforting and painful about all this. I'm feeling more vulnerable in a way I don't quite fully understand. Elena, February 9th. Blaine and I are both committed to never getting meth mouth. Screw it. We're filing our teeth. I've always wanted to do this ever since I was a little girl. I saw a documentary on TV as a kid about how cave people in the Stone Age filed their teeth. Even in the copper and bronze eras, a lot of different cultures still did this. I think it's kind of hot. Blaine was totally into it. Yeah, it's pretty hot. Candace, February 9th. Anna heard it today. There must be rats or squirrels getting into the house. We both heard the cracks and pops of the house. It sounded like it was coming from the roof or the attic. I mentioned that it might be the house settling. This house was built in the 50s, so it's got some age. But Anna didn't seem to think so. Her house was built right after World War II, and she says it definitely sounds like rodents. She pointed out how some of the oak and cypress trees are to the back end of the roof. What's great is that her husband runs a gutter and roof cleaning service. I remember her mentioning it when I first met her. She's going to ask him about the quickest he can take a look here. I can't remember what his name is. But tomorrow, we're doing a play date at their place, and that is really amazing, because honestly, I'm just creeped out right now. Gina, as of now, won't go in the main bathroom, which is supposed to be hers. She has to use our master bathroom. And she kept telling Finn about the fish-eyed man. Finn, for his part, seemed to be interested and was curious to find him. So maybe he can steer Gina into finding some playful Barney-like character instead of being a dinosaur, or maybe like a soft purple version of the Gill Man from The Shape of Water, or better yet, she can get distracted by something else in her innocent little world and forget about him altogether. <laughs> I was also getting nervous today with letting Gina and Finn play in the front yard. The edge of one of our acres becomes wooded, and the woods thicken for several acres until another neighborhood cuts into it. I saw a heavily populated swarm of carrion birds circling over the woods at the edge of the yard today. Something fairly large must have died. But the birds looked like something in one of those Godzilla movies. Are the birds that much bigger here in the Midwest? I have this nightmare vision of one of those demonic-looking things trying to nab children. I remember reading about a bald eagle that picked a little boy up, a toddler, by the shoulders in a national park. And finally, I'm incredibly frustrated to learn that we've lost my favorite 
our sharpest and finest cutting knife. Jason doesn't seem to remember it getting packed in the move, but I know it was packed. And I told him I remember using it at one point. He helped me look for it for a few minutes last night in and around the kitchen. Then he just shrugged it off as being forgotten in the move. And we sat down to watch a few more episodes of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Maybe it's the same group of gnomes who took the string cheese. Elena, February 10th. Took our chances and dipped out of the house when the bitch and her kid left. I pulled some of my money from the ATM and we scored some sheets and some more crystal. It'll be a trip to trip at Grandma's, especially in the attic with Blaine. But yesterday, sometime, Blaine thought he said he heard Jason and Candace talking about having exterminators come over to check out a possible mouse or rat problem. We've been living in the attic for a while, so no worries there. We went to the grocery store and forced ourselves to buy some supplies before heading back home. I think Blaine might be wanting to sleep back under our bridge, but I talked him into going back to our home. No one was there still, and we watched TV in the living room. From where the TV is set up, we can keep watch on the driveway outside through the front door's window. We just have to remember to switch the channel back. Also, Megascore. They have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, DC All Access, Shudder, plus over like 400 channels on the satellite. What vain robots. Candace, February 11th. Gina was watching cartoons this morning while I was getting ready for my first on-site job meeting. I was in the bathroom, Jason's in my bathroom, and I was brushing my teeth, looking into the mirror. My toothbrush is electronic. At first I thought it sounded louder than the normal sonic vibrating, but as I kept brushing I heard it more and more, this humming sound. Was like listening to two different humming frequencies at the same time. Am I developing a mental problem? I was thinking this as I finally forced my thumb to hit the power button on the toothbrush. And when I did that, at that moment, for about a full half second, I heard the other humming sound. It was coming from everywhere and nowhere. A dull, very gentle hum, like... Someone was meditating in a Shaolin temple or Byzantine choir. It was that background mm, that I heard for a microsecond, and it stopped abruptly because it was noticed. I dropped my toothbrush and ran downstairs, and I picked Gina up, and we ran outside. I called Jason, and by this point, I was sobbing. Then Gina got scared, and she started sobbing, too. Jason just kept telling me to calm down, and even though he told me he was leaving work to come over, I still couldn't shake that atrocious sense of being haunted. I told him then what my mind had been too afraid to bring to the fore until this morning. I told him that someone or something is in the house. Was I having a medical emergency? Jason's implacability, his almost patronizing softness with me, just angered me all the more. I was holding our daughter in one hand, 
who was crying frantically because her mom was crying without so much as answering her continued question of, What's wrong, mommy? And in the other hand, I was on the phone with my husband and father of my daughter, who couldn't feel haunted. He couldn't have. He wasn't there. And so as I was still terrified and getting more and more pissed off, I told him I was hanging up to call the cops. I let him talk me down from that. He remained on the phone with me until he pulled in the driveway, all the while insistently contending that it was our HVAC system, which was dated and made janky sounds now and then. When he finally got here, we all walked back inside. Gina had calmed down. She had kept asking me if it was the fisheye man. Elena, February 11th. Holy hell, I'm about to piss my pants. I can't stop laughing. I need to shut up seriously. Writing all this down is just cracking me up all over again. I swear I haven't ever had the giggles for this long. I am in such a goofy-ass mood. Well, Queen Yuppie down there was brushing her teeth this morning with some obnoxious electronic gadget. I started humming alongside the noise it made. I kept thinking of that scene in Adaptation when Meryl Streep is buzzing on some sort of crazy peyote or something, and she starts humming while she brushes her teeth. <laughs> I'm like Meryl Streep in that movie. Not just the character she played. I'm actually Meryl Streep, and these people below us are the alligators. And at the end, the alligators... Maybe they were crocodiles. I can't remember. Blaine can be the guy. I can't remember what his name was. Some actor who was Meryl's squeeze in that flick. I think I'm seriously related to her, though. It would explain a hell of a lot. Like how mom and dad sold this house right out from underneath my bare feet. February 12th. There are too many kids down there. Hearing them screaming and shrieking all through the hallways and up and down the stairs woke me up this morning. Blaine had been up smoking a cigarette and exhaling into a handful of insulation. I wish it was actual cotton candy. It's pink, and that means it's usually my favorite flavor if it's pink. We always pop the one round window open ever so slightly just to be safe. We still have a lot of jerky and mixed nuts, but I'm wanting something served up hot. So I went over to my favorite peephole in Jason and the whore's bathroom to get a better listen. From what I've gathered, there's the daughter, another toddler around her age, and now a baby. Like a baby baby. Still on the teat. It sucks that kids are involved in this, but I'm royalty, like Cinderella, and eventually I have to live in my palace and stop screwing around with the mop bucket. Time to shake and bake. It's still the daytime, I think. Still somewhere in February, the 12th diary. You're the only way I even know what dates are. I'm in paradise right now. I think 
while we were laying down up here after getting fried, I think, I think a little roach crawled in my ear. Or maybe it wasn't a roach, like not a roach roach, but maybe it was more like a cricket or something playful. I can feel it tickling and crunching around in there in my eardrum, which is bigger than my grandma's backyard. He's a cute little bug. Elena, February 12th. It smells like some stout chemicals all throughout the house. Anna smelled it when she came to pick up Finn. Zach, Anna's husband, is coming over first thing tomorrow morning with one of his exterminator guys at 8 o'clock sharp. T minus 15 hours. <laughs> My internal clock is reminding me every half minute that he will be checking out the attic and the crawl space for whatever makes this house crack and snap and creak. Jason this morning said the attic smells like bleach or some type of heavy cleaner. It's strongest upstairs. I hope sincerely that Zack and his inspector do come across something, anything, that decisively correlates to us having to move out of here immediately. I am earnestly hoping as my daughter sits beside me on the couch and with my husband on his favorite chair watching his favorite college basketball team. I hope there's asbestos in the walls, or some sort of black mold, forming everywhere at once, and that this place has to be condemned. Jason gets mad at me for wanting to leave, but this past Saturday, he couldn't deny the creaks and the pops this house makes. He looked in the attic and the crawl space, and he went on the roof. He mentioned as a side note that while he didn't see any squirrels living on our roof, we would be needing new shingles within the next three or four years. He wants to upgrade the tin. I told him that not only do I hope we are long gone from this house by then, but that we don't have to spend anything remotely approximating the cost of a tin roof on this lemon. He was pissed off at that. He got quiet like he always does, and his face flushed. I saw the hurt in his eyes. I started crying, and I apologized almost as soon as I'd said it. He just walked out of the room. He just doesn't get hit with the same feeling I do. The untenable, permanent feeling of being observed. Elena, February 12th. It's lady late now, and the fam's asleep. Mr. Man of the House came up here poking around, not knowing what he's looking for. They're all pissing and moaning about the smells. Smells like a dead animal in here. Smells like heavy-duty chemicals. Smells like some rotten meat, mama. I swear, it feels like being Jesus Christ up here. How long? How long am I going to have to suffer? To suffer these horrible ingrates in my house. Not even able to get over the grief of my dead grandmother because they're down there tarnishing her with their horrible presence. It's like Jesus talking to the people who were killing him or something. I just have to suffer these yuppies. But for how long? We gotta get to the crawl space, like tonight. 
Blaine thinks that shaking and baking next to the furnace while it's running would help cover the crystal stench. We heard them whining themselves to sleep about how the meth smells strongest up in here. In the attic. I guess I need to step up my creepy crawly game and do some more scaring. I'm so sick of them. Candace, February 13th. Zack and Anna came with Finn, and Adam, Zack's inspector, drove separately. The first thing Adam noted about the house was the yard. He noticed mole tunnels at the far side of our front yard, close to the driveway and the road, and he said that the tunnels were old. He pointed out two very distinct dead spots in our grass. Jason and I had noticed them before, but we didn't think much of the yellow spots in our yard during the winter. A lot of the grass and vegetation in our yard is brown or brownish, but Adam crouched down over the two yellow spots in the grass and said that something had been poured out on it. He asked if we've ever dumped or emptied anything in the yard, like bleach or stain remover. Of course we hadn't. He said that the ground-bearing rodents, like moles, mice, rats, and groundhogs, would be kept at bay from our yard because of the chemical spots. Zack put radon tracking throughout the house, and they did a thorough inspection. Everyone smelled the chemical putrid aroma. Adam suggested the shine quality in the lacquer on the new painted walls. Jason and I countered that we hadn't smelled it when we first moved in. I could see Zack and Adam exchanging glances. Adam offered that maybe the paint was exceptionally cheap, and the paint smell wore off into just a dirty chemical smell after a week or so. I looked at Gina and Finn playing with blocks on the kitchen floor. I asked if the chemical smells could be harmful. Both Adam and Zack made dismissive gestures. Nah, Zack said. That gives me some comfort, because it's his child who comes over here three times a day. They both thoroughly examined the attic and crawl space and couldn't find any evidence of rodents or pests. They set rat poison in the corners of the crawl space and attic just to be sure. My heart is still sinking. I don't know what I'd hoped that they'd find. A, a rat's nest? A rabid gopher? Hell, anything to explain the creaking noises that are beginning to sound more and more like something bigger than a rodent. And of course completely breaking the precedent. There were no such creaks and pops in the house while the inspectors were here. At least Anna and Jason and Gina hear it too. I know that's not a figment of unreality, at least. Elena, February 14th. We're back under the bridge. That's maybe best for now. God was looking out for me and Blaine. When we dipped out to get some more smoke early this morning, we noticed an animal control truck pulling into the driveway. I'm really lucky that Blaine is so good about leaving behind no trace, as he says. He spent a lot of time camping and living in national parks. He's great with tidying up. Not me. When we get back to the house, that truck was still in the driveway. The crawl space trap door was open. It's time to end him, Blaine said when we got back. I looked at him. His eyes had that deadpan, unwavering look of resolve. What about the kids? 
but Blaine didn't say anything for a while. And when he spoke again, he said, Look, I don't want to mess with any kids, but those two squatters squatting in your inheritance, they gotta go. Let's wait for a day that the kid gets dropped off at the babysitter's. He looked at me then and grinned. And I smiled too because I remembered that we'd filed our teeth together. Like Stone Age, Bonnie and Clyde. Doesn't that shrew drop back in on those days and do her little half-ass diddling on the computer? All alone? I remember. I think I nodded, still smiling at my man. Well, he said, then we'll drop down. I can take care of her. You just want to make sure it looks like some psycho broke in and stole some rando junk. You're the hottest genius in the world, I told him. And he is. We'll make it look like some random, tragic, maniac home invasion. No one will even think to look for the culprits hiding in plain sight. Karma's a bitch. Candace, February 15th. It is a bright and wee early pre-dawn here, as I sleeplessly jot this down and sit upright in bed, next to my snoring Jason. He wasn't as unnerved at the banging and scratching sounds that woke us. Well, I was awakened by the sound at first. I'm a light sleeper. Jason would sleep through World War III. I shook Jason awake. Thankfully, Gina has stayed sound asleep through all of this. Jason ran outside and saw a groundhog, or that's what he thinks it was, running across our back porch and over the trap door to the crawl space. He didn't seem to think any more of it and was able to fall back asleep, telling me I ought to do the same. I despise this house. Why, multiverse? Why? Elena, February 15th. Carney Mata. That's her name. The rat goddess who has a temple named after her in India. She's worshipped there. I think she could be worshipped here, in this part of Grandma's house. We snuck back in late last night and Blaine tripped on the stairs and let the trap door fall a little hard. But neither of the yuppie piggies came down here looking. We saw a rat, though, and I think it might be Carnimata, watching out for us, so I fed her some of my Pringles and trail mix. Still buzzing hard right now, but what I remember is thanking her for protecting us. Since we can't stand up down here, I, it just felt natural to bow down. Carnimata, as I remember, was a warrior before she came, before she became deified. I wonder if she could kill our piggies for us. The plan is still going forward. In just a little while, they leave. And then little Mrs. Candace will come back and die. Blaine says he'll take care of her. And then Jason. I'm thinking we're going to have her call him to come home. Then off her, then take care of Mr. Man of the House when he comes running in. We'll play it by ear. 
Candace, February 15th. As I'm proofing this brief here at Starbucks, I'm realizing that I should go back to our evil lemon house that creaks and cracks and smells like a funeral home to make lunch. I don't want to grab anything out, and I don't want to go back there by myself. Can I continue to live on there when I'm terrified to be alone? I'm terrified when we're all there, but sickly worried about Gina. She still mentions the fisheye man. I worry, journal, about what effect it might have on her developing imagination and worldview. Screw it. This is ridiculous. I'm going home. I've been sitting here for almost two and a half hours. Elena, February 15th. We saw Grandma. Her shadow. We saw it. Small at first on the wall. But then it grew and grew. She had her hair up, short like it always was. She was wearing her summer dress and I could see the bracelets around her wrists. She grew and grew. She's here with us. And I know she's telling us to strike. Strike. Get these squatting thieves out of my house. The following is a prepared statement before a general assembly of reporters and the public convocation for the press release by Lieutenant Nina Markovic. Today we have been blessed with extremely fortuitous timing, and I also want to thank our Twin Falls Police Department and the sheriff deputies who have been ever vigilant. This morning, we discovered the whereabouts of Mr. Blaine Wilson Lancaster, who had been reported missing by his mother over two weeks ago, on January 30th, after abruptly being noticed absent from the Hope House Rehabilitation and Wellness Clinic. We followed the leads that came in, every one of them, and we didn't give up. That vigilance has paid off, certainly. But the tragedy has been a harsh blow to our community. While we cannot give the full details at this time, as this is an ongoing investigation, we can report the blatant and clear facts as they are. Blaine Lancaster's remains were found in a wooded area of residential land. The family residing on that land had been burgled by at least Blaine's girlfriend on multiple occasions, a one Elena Caitlin Wright, who is currently in custody, has admitted to killing and then dismembering Blaine and placing a portion of his remains on the wooded side of the property of the house in which she had been squatting. The house had belonged to her late grandparents. The residents of the home, whose names are being kept private, called our officers this morning around 10 o'clock, concerned about seeing smashed glass and other strange detritus on her porch, which could be clearly seen without entering the home. Our officers responded quickly and found Elena in the crawl space. She had various drugs, including methamphetamine and various drug paraphernalia on her person, as well as several kitchen knives she'd stolen from the house. She was subdued and apprehended where she is currently being held without bail. Based on her mental state and her violent behavior, and the cutlery she had stolen from in the house, we believe she was planning to hurt one or all of the family members residing in the home. 
We are very relieved to have caught her, right when we did, and we are mourning the loss of one of our Twin Falls citizens. We ask that all due privacy and respect, becoming the sensitive matter, be paid towards Miss Lancaster and the Lancaster family. I will now take what questions I can answer and thank you all again for coming to this press release today. Eyes hear the clicking of the cameras and the mumbling murmurs of humans with their hands raised straight. I notice the colorless flashes of the camera lens, but my concern is not with these useless souls. I am enticed by the brutalized soul who summoned me. Her soul will be delectable to me. She calls me Grandma and Carmen Mata, and sometimes Rat Goddess. To her I make my shape appear in the shadow on the walls as an elderly woman in proper western attire. I go to her now in her cell and compel and possess her to do my whims. I instructed her to remove her lover's head with the knife and to file both her teeth and his. I led her back to her comfortable spirits of pain and addiction and loss. I know she is formidably strong in spirit, even still, but I can possess her hands and heart to kill again. At least a few more miserable human souls can fall to her hands, working my work. Before, that is, I instruct her to end her own mortal journey. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. Next week is another pre-recorded episode, and it's all about the ghosts of Oregon. Thank you so much, so, so, so much to my Patreon subscribers. Hopefully by now there has been a new guided nightmare. If not, I know I put out some sort of bonus episode. This week's honored subscribers are Lizzie B., Michael W. Bennett, and Allison Pethrick. Come in and get your giant at the moment, sweaty, hug over the airwaves, sending love and light your way. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. If you want to keep updated on the show, follow at scary to sleep for Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow me personally, someone asked to see a picture of me on Twitter recently. You can follow me at Shelby B. Scott on both Twitter and Instagram. To participate in the Scary to Sleep community, join face the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash scary to sleep. Still working on that Reddit page. I'm almost out of my quarantine. So hang in there for my Reddit users, my fellow Reddit users. For merch, I will link my Teespring store in the show notes. Remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts if you can. It keeps me more visible to new viewers. Also, if you, if by using any of my links for any of the sponsors on the show, it helps me out tremendously. I always leave a link in the show notes. No pressure, but if you're ever, you know, in the market for any of my anything that my sponsors provide, just remember to think of me and come use my my link. It'll be great. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. <laughs>